is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, and this is Squirrel Chatter for Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. Squirrel Chatter is a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. All right, folks. It is Wednesday, the 14th of February. That means it is Valentine's Day. And... uh, uh Valentine's Day is one of those, I mean, obviously it originally started out as a saint's day on the uh, church calendar. Um, St. Valentine was martyred for his faith, Um, you know, his head chopped off, all that good stuff. And so we celebrate romantic love on his saint's day. Um, Don't ask me why. But uh, it is uh, it is a tradition all across America. Boxes of candy are being given out. Roses have been bought and distributed. Um, I used to, when uh, we were both working in Missoula, I would always endeavor to have balloons delivered to uh, Mrs. Squirrel at her office. The reason being... As a wise man once told me, it's not what you get her for Valentine's Day that matters. It's who sees it delivered to her desk at work. <laughs> and that's a, so I used to have bouquets of balloons sent to her for Valentine's Day and or anniversary. Um, just because um, or her birthday, I, you know, and balloons were a lot cheaper than flowers. <laughs> Um, and have every bit the, the effect you would wish. So that is my advice to you, young men. Balloons work great, and they're cheaper than flowers, and they last longer. You know, she would have those balloons, especially the Mylar hearts and stuff, floating around here in Squirrel Manor for, for weeks. The, 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 the regular rubber balloons lose their helium after a short time, but those mylar balloons will float around for, for days and days and days. So buy balloons. And if you don't have a Valentine's day, this Valentine's day, don't feel too bad. I didn't have a groundhog on groundhog's day. You'll get through it. Um, trust in the providence of God to, uh, in his timing bring you that person if you desire to have someone in your life. If you don't desire to have someone in your life in that romantic sense, that means you probably have the gift of singleness. Um, And 
But if you do desire a romantic partner, that's a good sign that you don't have the gift of singleness. <laughs> Just, you know, God works that way. Um, so, you know, the vast majority of us are, are expected to grow up, meet somebody, get married, raise a family, and, and do all of that. So it is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, as I posted on Twitter this morning in a, a physics uh, joke, <laughs> roses are red, roses are blue, depending on their velocity relative to you. So if you, if you don't understand red shift and blue shift, which is the Doppler effects of light, um, you'll, uh, you know, if you do understand it, you'll get the joke and it's amusing. If you don't understand it, you're looking at me now like, who is he and what is he talking about? But this is not a show about uh, uh, the speed of light and Doppler effects or any of that. Maybe someday, but... Uh, this is, uh, there are, there are much better qualified people to discuss physics than I am. Um, just to put that out there, but it is also Ash Wednesday. And, uh, this is one of those things, this time of year, I see all sorts of well-meaning, uh, people posting, I'm giving up, uh, Papal traditions for Lent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is amusing. Um, but it also shows a, a, an ignorance of church history. <laughs> the, the observance of Lent, and I want to say celebration because it's not a celebratory thing. The observance of Lent goes back to the very early church. We know by the Council of Nicaea, Lent was being observed in the churches. And what Lent is, our modern word Lent comes from the same root as lengthen. And it's talking, so it's referring to the fact that it's spring and the days are getting longer. That's just where the word comes from. Um, don't ask me what they referred to it as in the early church. I have no clue. I didn't look it up. Um, but it does go back to the very early church. And it is a period of introspection and repentance leading up to Easter. Lent is a time of preparation for the celebration of the resurrection, uh, death, burial, and resurrection, um, because you cannot... You can't have the empty tomb without the cross. Um, and you can't have, and the, the, the cross is as important, if not more so, than the empty tomb. Um, more about that in a minute. The, um, but So this was a period of, of preparation for the observance of Easter and the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. So it was a time of reflection and introspection, self-examination of sin. Ash Wednesday, which is today, was a fasting day. And the ceremonial application of 
ashes to the forehead of the believer in an Ash Wednesday service, um, the ashes would have been preserved, excuse me, the, the, the palm branches used in the previous Palm Sunday would be burned and the ashes preserved through the year. And those would be the ashes used on Ash Wednesday. Now, a lot of people make it, you know, they say, you know, Jesus said, don't disfigure yourself when you're fasting to let everybody know you're fasting. The ashes are not symbolic that you're fasting. The ashes are symbolic of mourning and repentance. You've heard the phrase, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. It is a sign of humility. An outward sign of a penitent mournful, humble person. So, you know, now, like anything, <laughs> are there people who walk around proudly with their, their ashes on their forehead? Yes. Um, and quite frankly, I think they're missing the whole point. Um, I don't celebrate Ash Wednesday. I, I, I don't need a smudge of ash on my forehead. Um, but if I was a member of a more liturgical church that did Ash Wednesday, I would have no problem participating with my church. It's not a papal tradition. It's much older than that. And when you understand what it symbolizes. now, And one of the things is you're, you're not setting yourself apart from your community. You would do this as a church so that every member of the church is repenting in sackcloth and ashes for their sins. It's a day to reflect upon the sinfulness of sin and your own sinfulness. It, it's not a sacrament. <laughs> it does not bestow anything upon you, but it is a time of reflection and repentance. So, if your church, if you are a member of a Bible-believing church that is of a more liturgical nature that observes Ash Wednesday, by all means, do it. It's certainly not sinful to do it. Um, and, and to observe Lent, the, 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 the period between now and Easter, thinking upon and preparing your heart to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord in the same way that, you know, we prepare our hearts to celebrate Christmas with the season of Advent. Um, like I said, these are more traditional liturgical things, but they're not sinful. Uh, and they're not papist traditions. They long predate the papacy. Um, and they, they certainly predate Roman Catholicism and the apostasy of Rome. Um, Rome did not officially apostatize until the Council of Trent. Um, prior to that, with all of its flaws, it could have been considered a true church. And, and for a long time, it was pretty much the only church. So, you know, you had Christians... <laughs> 
for centuries in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, I think you have Christians in the Roman Catholic Church now. They are Christians in spite of Rome's teaching, not because of it. Um, they have been exposed to the scriptures and have you know, un come to understand the gospel through the word of, of Christ because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Um, and there is enough uh, scripture read in uh, the Roman Catholic Church that it is possible for God to reach down and save somebody. And they either remain ignorant and contentedly Roman Catholic, or discontentedly as it may be, or they begin to learn and study, and they have to come out of Rome. And so I know a lot of people that have left Rome because they have been convinced by the gospel. Um, I also know a lot of quote-unquote Protestants who have gone to Rome, and uh, I don't believe they were ever true believers in the first place. And, but that's a discussion for another time as well. So happy Valentine's Day, happy Ash Wednesday as we kick off the Lenten season. Um, it is something to, to consider reading a Lenten devotional or something. I have a Lenten devotional that, that I will be reading from this morning, not on the podcast, but <clears throat> with uh, Mrs. Squirrel later today, later this morning, probably while I'm after we eat breakfast because we're not fasting. In fact, I'm cooking her breakfast because it's Valentine's Day. So there's a clash of, uh, clash of, clash of days, feast or famine. It's Valentine's Day. Um, so, you know, you better take her out to eat. <laughs> um, you know, maybe observing a fast today is not the best idea. That romantic dinner might just be a better idea for purposes of domestic domestic tranquility. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have scripture readings from the Book of Common or from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's daily readings from the Life of Christ, and it's our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy. We are picking back up in verse thirty-eight of chapter twenty-eight. All right. Let us begin, as is our practice. Well, I'm going to have to pour more coffee. Before we get started, I will pour more coffee so that I do not have to pause once we're in a roll here. So, yeah, if you have any questions about um, things like Ash Wednesday and stuff, or, or any other questions or topic suggestions for Monday Meandering or just comments in general, you can reach me at squirrelchatter at protonmail.com. That's squirrelchatter at protonmail.com. Um, used to have that up on the screen. I need to, to put that back up on the screen. Thankfully, I have not received any profanity-laced hate mail in quite some time, although I do find that amusing when I do, and there are occasions when I do. Um, another thing, just to mention, I shared on Twitter and Facebook last evening a, uh, a video, uh, the Redeeming Truth podcast from our, our guys down at uh, Redeemer Church in, in Gilbert, Arizona, 
Um, John Benzinger, you know, John, Todd, Kevin, Kyle, Daryl, um, got a lot of friends down there at that church. And if I lived in the, in the Phoenix area, I have a good idea where I'd be going to church, but they posted a video, um, yesterday, their, their redeeming truth podcast. And they were discussing how to find a healthy church. Good video. Lots of good things to think about. I posted it on Facebook and Twitter. <clears throat> and so if you're interested and, and if you're searching for a church, that's a good place to look. Give it a give it an idea because it, it uh, give that video a watch. It's about an hour long. It's a good in-depth discussion between five pastors about how to find a good church, what to look for in a good church. And interestingly enough, it's not the style of music. Now, there are things, once you have, let's say you have two good, solid biblical churches, you know, that, that are equal in doctrine, equal in teaching, equal in joy, um, you know, two good churches, and one of them has a more traditional worship service, and the other one has a more contemporary worship service, then your preferences come into play. Then you can say, okay, they've checked all the boxes of essentials for a good church. I like this church's style better than the others. That's when that enters in. But if you're looking at two churches that are not, you know, one one has your worship style, but it's not a solid biblical church. And the other is a solid biblical church, but their worship style is a little bit different from what you would prefer. Go to the biblical church. It's it's that easy. Um I I it it's it really is that easy. Um I, you know, I'm an elder at a church where the style doesn't always reflect my preferences. But the doctrine and the people and the joy, that's the main thing, you know. Do I urge tweaks in the style? Yeah, I do. Would I like to see things done a little bit differently? Yes, I do. Is that a a matter for, you know, church division or, or getting up in arms about something? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, you know, consider that. Watch that video. It's a, it's a good discussion on those things. All right. Now that we are 20 minutes into the podcast, let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. 
spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture reading today is Genesis 45 and Psalm 45. Genesis 45. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he called out, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Then he wept loudly, and the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. So now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. So God sent me before you to establish for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive for a great remnant of survivors. So now it is not you who sent me here, but God, and he has sent me as a father to Pharaoh and a lord to all of his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry! And go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has sent me as has set me as Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. And you shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, and your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come lest you and your household and all that you have be impoverished. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. So you must tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and all that you have seen, and you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother's Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them, and afterwards his brothers talked with him. Now the news was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. And it was good in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your beasts and go to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. 
Now you are commanded, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Now do not concern yourself with your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of garment, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred pieces of silver and five changes of garments. Now to his father he sent as follows, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and substance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed. And he said to them, Do not be stirred up on the journey. Then they went from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and indeed he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But his heart was stunned, for he did not believe them. Yet they told him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them. And he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him. Then the spirit of their father Jacob revived, and Israel said, It is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. And now Psalm 45. For the choir director, according to Shoshanim of the sons of Korah, a maskil, a song of love. My heart overflows with a good theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful scribe. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and your majesty. And in your majesty, ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, your God, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. All your garments are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. Out of ivory palaces, stringed instruments have made you glad. King's daughters are among your noble ladies. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Listen, O daughter, give attention and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. Then the king will desire your beauty, because he is your lord, bow down to him. The daughter of Tyre will come with a present. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within her chamber. Her clothing is interwoven with gold. She will be led to the king in embroidered work. The virgins, her companions who follow her, will be brought to you. They will be led forth with gladness and rejoicing. They will enter into the king's palace. In place of your fathers will be your sons. You shall set them up as princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered from generation to, gener every, to every generation. Therefore, the peoples will give you thanks forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. 
And now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today's uh, devotional is Discerning False Prophets, the Test of Creed. A tree cannot produce bad a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Matthew 7:18. Dr. MacArthur writes, careful examination of a false prophet's teachings will always reveal unscriptural ideas and an absence of a solid, coherent theology. Often he will teach a combination of truth and error, but sooner rather than later his teachings will prove the sort of teacher he really is. As Jesus said to the Pharisees, You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good brings out of his good treasure what what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. Matthew twelve, thirty four and thirty five. The creed of the false prophet cannot withstand any careful scrutiny by the pure light of the word. The prophet Isaiah confirms this. To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. Isaiah 8.20 False shepherds talk much about God's love, but not his wrath and holiness. Much about how deprived of good things people are, but not about their depravity. Much about God's universal fatherhood toward everyone, but not much about his unique fatherhood toward all who believe in his Son. Much about what God wants to give us, but nothing about the necessity of obedience to him. Much about health and happiness, but nothing about holiness and sacrifice. Their message is full of gaps, the greatest of which leaves out a biblical view of the saving gospel. Ask yourself, what makes us susceptible to the appealing messages of the false teachers? What are people looking for when they begin embracing error? How can we guard against this ourselves? Good thoughts. Those are good questions to begin the day thinking about how to guard against false teachers. So, all right. We are in Deuteronomy 28. We finished verse 37 yesterday. And after the show yesterday, there's still, this is a large print Bible, um, but there are still uh, two full pages. Um, there's 30 more verses in this chapter. And I, I it occurred to me after yesterday's uh podcast that I am being both repetitive and slow going through this um, because this is a repetitive chapter. There is a lot to these cursings, but they're all in a similar vein, God bringing judgment upon Israel for their disobedience. Um, so I'm going to go about a little bit quicker. I'm going to read a paragraph, talk about it briefly, read a paragraph, talk about it briefly, and we'll see how far we get. But I'm going to pick up the pace. Yes, and there was much rejoicing, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so let me just read beginning in verse 38. You shall bring out much seed to the field, 
but you will gather in little, for the locusts will consume it. You shall plant and cultivate vineyards, but you will neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm will devour them. You shall have olive trees throughout your territory, but you will not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives will drop off. You shall become the father of sons and daughters, but they will not be yours, for they will go into captivity. The cricket shall possess all of your trees and the produce of your ground. The sojourner who is among you shall rise above you higher and higher, but you will go down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, but you will not lend to him. He shall be the head and you shall be the tail. So again, this is echoing the blessings. But again, here we see more agricultural dismay. In the previous verses, we saw the results of the land being conquered by foreigners. Now we see the results of more natural disasters stripping the land of its productivity, locusts consuming the crops, um, the, the worm consuming the, the grapes in the, in the vineyard, um, olive trees that drop their olives before they're ripe so that they're useless. Then we again see military conquest, sons and daughters made captive. More natural disaster, the cricket shall possess all your trees and the produce of your ground. Um, foreigners in the land rising above the Israelites. And then the last verse, you know, it said you would, you know, in the blessings, it said you would, you would lend and not borrow. Now you will borrow and not lend. Um, and he shall be the head and you shall be the tail. So the foreigner shall be ruler over the Israelite. Continuing in verse 45. So all these curses shall come on you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you would not listen to the voice of Yahweh your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall become a sign and a wonder on you and your seed forever. So notice he says that these things shall come on you. This is again the prophetic nature of these cursings. It's not if you disobey, these things will happen. It's these things will happen because you disobey. Um, and it says it's not an it, it's 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 an if then, but it's not really an if then. It's more of a win win, and I mean W H E N, not W I N. When you do the when these things come upon you, it will be because you have disobeyed. But these things shall come upon you. And they're going to be a sign and a wonder on you and on your seed forever. Meaning as Israel suffers this judgment, this judgment will be a sign to them that their God is God and they have disobeyed him and they need to return to him in repentance and faith. Verse 47. Because you did not serve Yahweh your God with gladness and a merry heart, because of the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom Yahweh will send against you, in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in the lack of all things. 
and he will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. So because you didn't serve God, you will serve oppressive earthly masters. They will not give you all that you need. They will give you just enough for you to be strong enough to be labor. The iron yoke on your neck. You know, a wood yoke properly carved was to be comfortable on the ox that pulled the load. An iron yoke would not be comfortable. 49. Yahweh will bring a nation against you from afar, from the ends of the earth, as the eagle swoops down, a nation whose tongue you shall not understand. A nation of fierce countenance, who will have no respect for the old, nor show favor to the young. Moreover, it shall eat the offspring of your herd and the produce of your ground until you are destroyed, who also will not allow grain, new wine, or oil, and the increase of your herd or the young of the flock to remain for you until they have caused you to perish. And it shall besiege you in all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trusted come down throughout your land. And it shall besiege you in all your gates throughout your land which Yahweh your God has given you. Then you shall eat the offspring of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters whom Yahweh your God has given you during the siege and the distress by which your enemies will oppress you. The man who is refined and very delicate among you shall be hostile towards his brother and towards the wife he cherishes and toward the rest of his children who remain, so that he will not give even one of them any of the flesh of his children which he will eat, since he has nothing else remaining during the siege and the distress by which your enemies will oppress you in all your gates. The refined and delicate woman among you whom would not venture to set a sole of her foot on the ground for delicateness and refinement, shall be hostile toward her husband, the husband she cherishes, and toward her son and daughter, and toward her afterbirth which issues from between her legs, and toward her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly for lack of anything else during the siege and the distress by which your enemy will oppress you in your gates." Dire times. I, 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 can you imagine that much hopelessness and despair, that much wickedness, that men and women would eat their own children simply to stay alive, so overcome by hunger and so driven down by sin? that they would do such a despicable thing. Um, it's just, a, it's a frightening, frightening. And, and indeed, when we look at the Old Testament, during the, Assyri the invasion of Assyria, this happened. This happened. Just what a, what a frightening, frightening thing. You would think that you know, there would, there would be a line you wouldn't cross, right? Eating your own children. Yet, they did. And it was God's curse upon them that they would do this. 
that they would be in such desperate need and such hopelessness and such lack of love that they would do this. It, it's, it's, you know, during the siege and during the distress by which your enemy will oppress you in your gates. Frightening times. Verse 58. If you are not careful to do all the words of this law which are written in this book, to fear this glorious and fearsome name, Yahweh your God, then Yahweh will bring wondrous plagues on you and plagues on those who are your seed, even great and enduring plagues and miserable and enduring sicknesses. And he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid, and they will cling to you. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, Yahweh will bring on you until you are destroyed. Then you shall remain few in number, whereas you were as numerous as the stars of heaven, because you did not listen to the voice of Yahweh your God. And it will be that as Yahweh delighted over you to prosper you and multiply you, so Yahweh will delight over you to make you perish and destroy you. And you will be torn from the land where you are entering to possess it. So again, remember, the consequences are in the land. Obey God, prosper in the land. Disobey God, calamity in the land, resulting in being ripped from the land. So this is, once again, a conditional covenant and a temporal covenant. It's conditional upon obedience, and it is temporal in that it is a covenant that deals with this world in time, not with eternity, not with the world to come. Verse 64, Moreover, Yahweh will scatter you among all peoples, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, and there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone, which you or your fathers have not known. This happened. You know, the Assyrians scattered the northern kingdom of Israel, and then Babylon took over Assyria, and Babylon captured the southern kingdom of Judah and carried them into exile. Ever since the Assyrian and Babylonian exiles, we're talking, you know, Assyria was in the 700s, B.C., um, so, you know, 700 plus years before Christ, and um, the Babylonian captivity began in 605 B.C., so you're looking at, you know, hundreds of years before Christ, the Israelites were carried out of the land, and ever since that time, you have had Israelites scattered from the land. When the Babylonian captivity ended and they were allowed to turn, return to Israel? Few did. There was still a sizable population of Jews in Israel or in, in Babylon. So much so that Peter wrote his letters from there. And I do believe he actually wrote them from Babylon and Babylon was not a code for Rome. Babylon was where he wrote those letters from because there was still 700 years later 
a sizable population of Jews in Babylon. So, you know, the and 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 so now Jews are scattered all over the the land. Um, for most of Israel's the modern is, nation of Israel's history, there have been more Jews in New York than in Israel. Um, I think that's actually shifted a few years ago, that there are now more more Jews in Israel than any other place on earth. Um, but you, but that that's any single place. There are still more Jews outside of Israel than are in Israel. They are scattered to all the countries of the earth, scattered among all the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And, and that's still true. And it says they will serve, you will serve other gods, wooden stone, which you and your fathers have not known. Um, now, of course, most Jews reject Christ. They reject their Messiah. But even nominally, most Jews don't worship Yahweh. They don't believe the scriptures, even, even in an Old Testament sense, you know, even in a, uh, a rejecting the New Testament, rejecting the Messiah, but believing the Old Testament. Very few, very few. Um, the, the number one religion among Jews in Israel is atheism. And that's just a sad fact. Um, they are still under God's judgment. They are serving false gods, gods of wood and stone that their fathers have not known. Verse 65, moreover, among those nations, you shall find no relief and there will be no resting place for the sole of your foot. But there Yahweh will give you a trembling heart, failing of eyes and despair of soul. So your life shall hang in doubt before you. And you will be in dread night and day and shall not have any faith in your life. Um, in the United States, we have seen a rise in anti-Semitism to the point where many Jews are fearful in, in a land that has been traditionally welcoming to Jewish individuals. We see a rising anti-Semitism and a rising fear. And the United States is not alone. Yeah. I mean, all across Europe, you see a rising anti-Semitism. Certainly the, the Arab lands and the Muslim lands have a not rising. They have a well-established long tradition of anti-Semitism. Um, it is, you know, without a doubt, the United Nations is one of the most anti-Semitic organizations to ever walk on the face of the earth. Not that the organization walks, but you get the idea. To ever have existed. Um, this is God's judgment on Israel. The, the ultimate disobedience to God was the rejecting of the Messiah. And that resulted in the destruction of Jerusalem and, and Israel in 70 AD. And even though there is now a nation of Israel, 
once again occupying part of the promised land. Not by any means all of it. But now that we have this nation of Israel, and and I do believe God, that's within God's purpose. Well, obviously nothing happens apart from God's purpose. But he has a purpose in that land being occupied once again by Jewish people. And, and I do see it as a prelude to the end times. Not that we can start a stopwatch. That's been a... Uh, uh, a great uh, failing of many people to try to set dates. Um, I have a copy of Hal Lindsey's 1980s Countdown to Armageddon here somewhere. Um, never bought into that, but I have the book just because I found it in the church library, in the church I used to pastor and didn't want it being circulated, but I wanted to keep it for my own amusement. So I took it out of the church library and a couple other books. <laughs> that will remain. Uh, somebody had given us a bunch of Seventh-day Adventist stuff, and 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 we'll just say that uh, I, I did a, a purifying, a cleansing of the church library um, for very good, good and godly reasons. Um, only a few of them I kept, like, 1980s countdown to Armageddon for their amusement factor. So among the nations where Israel is scattered, they're not going to find any relief. Verse 66, or we read that verse 67 in the morning, you shall say, would that it were evening. And at evening, you shall say, would that it were morning because of the dread of your heart, which you dread and because of the sight of your eyes, which you will see. So, the, there's there's a, a great unease and discontentment. It's morning, you wish the day was over. The day's over, you wish it was morning. There's no settled sense of, of rightness at all for the exiled Israelite. Verse 68, And Yahweh will bring you back to Egypt in ships. By the way about which I spoke to you, you will never see it again. And there you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but there will be no buyer. You can't even sell yourself into slavery. How low of a position is that? Nobody even wants you as a slave. What a unenviable position that is the other side of the coin of the blessing that God promised for and gave to the nation of Israel. All right, next week we will pick up in chapter 29. Um, may or may not get through the whole chapter. Once again, we just see how it plays out. Um, I, I, if I went too fast through the end of chapter 28, let me know. I, I thought it was important to pick up the pace. Um, so I kind of skipped over some details, but I think you get the general gist of the idea. These curses that Israel would suffer from were predicted by God and, and were indeed 
established by God, that they would suffer these curses. Um, and they have and they are. I, I think it's, it's important to know, important to understand that the Israelites, those who have not trusted in Christ for their salvation, but the physical descendants of Jacob, also called Israel, they are under God's judgment in accordance with what we read in Deuteronomy 28. This is where they're at, and it's a reality. Um, there's a real reason why the Apostle Paul always took the gospel to the Jews first. First notice that the Jews were scattered all over the Roman world so that he could go to synagogues in Corinth and Thessalonica and all these other places that he went to preach the gospel. There were synagogues there because there were Jews there, and there were Jews there because they were scattered according to God's judgment. And so he gave them the gospel. And as they rejected the gospel, then he gave it to the Gentiles. So, you know, they're, they're, the, the Jewish people have no other way of salvation other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the, he is the only Savior. And so we need to proclaim the gospel to everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. And uh, those who say that the, uh, the Jews have a, a separate way of salvation are false teachers. You know, go back to our devotional this morning about how to spot a false teacher. It's there, and, and that's one of them. So I look at guys like John Hagee, who, who says you don't have to evangelize Jews because they have a separate path. It's not true. It's absolutely not true. There are a lot of other reasons not to listen to John Hagee, but that's one of them. Um, so, all right, enough of that. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the sixth Sunday after Epiphany. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And now the colic for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor run into any, any danger, and that guided by your Spirit, 
we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Excuse me. And for the unrepentant, we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven, given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home, and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, that is Squirrel Chatter for today, Wednesday, the 14th day of February, Ash Wednesday, Valentine's Day. Have a great day. Remember, as you go through the day, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.